Welcome to New Persuasive Words, a podcast of hope-seeking understanding. Join Scott Jones and Bill Bohr for an ongoing conversation about theology, culture, and politics. Funny, contentious, outrageous, there's something for everyone. And now, your hosts. Welcome back to New Persuasive Words. I'm Scott Jones. And I'm Bill Bohr. It's good to be with you today, Scott. Always. We need to We're get- doing this remotely um, we are for remotely. multiple times. Uh, this is a, this is an interesting thing. And I want to just say to our listeners, if you want us to do the show locally, like we used to do it, if you host us, we right, <laughs> we'll come to you and record the show. <laughs> we will come. It's what, what do they say in Ghostbusters, Bill Murray's line? No job is too big. No fee is too big. <laughs> All right. So <clears throat> now I, so we have to kind of, do we put any parameters on this? So, so let's say, matter of fact, I got a shout out today from one of our listeners in Dallas, Texas. Thank you, Lori, Lori for- Oh, uh, hey, hey, Laura, hey, for, yeah, hey, Texas. Yeah, she's Love she's a great, great pastor doing good work down there. Um, she and I almost solved the Middle East crisis together. I was on a committee with her. Oh, there you go. I mean, of, we course, came very close. of course you did. But all right, so what if, what if she says, hey, you- Come to Dallas. All right. Is there is there a limitation to how far we'll drive or fly? Uh, I I think right now anywhere in the continental United States. Um, I don't know. If someone wants me to come to Hawaii, I might I might find a way to do that. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. No, no. Like yeah. Like no. That's it's. I think anywhere. I mean, internationally, it's going to take a little more time. But no. Basically, anywhere in the states right now. Yeah. We're so. I right. mean, save like the 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 the, the hinterlands in Alaska. Well, though this summer, I'd go to Alaska in the summer. Uh, Alaska would be great. Alaska would be great. My parents, my dad, of blessed memory. My um, God bless my mom who of limited memory right now. <laughs> and we would do we would do like if if we, if we they drove to Alaska they, they drove to Alaska. Oh Isn't that my God. crazy! That was so crazy. They drove to Alaska. But we would do events other than we would do the podcast and we do like adult ed. We'd even do um, sure we would do stuff like we, that. We we even do vaudeville. I mean, for your church and a fellowship. We do. I, I you know I mean I've been playing I play more guitar now than I have since since. Uh, Probably the late seventies. So I'm, uh, I'm my guitar playing is is, is uh, it's never was great, but it's as good as it ever was. <laughs> no, I played I played Horace Vandergelder and Hello Dolly in high school, and so I could uh, you know we oh, very could, nice. This is the thing. We so it's it'll be a full service weekend. I mean, if you want to bring we can us do in. it, we can do it. We can do it. And and actually, there's some people who think we're funny, so we might even we do we do we, we could do lots of things. We make uh, we can make we are funny, but 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 looks aren't everything. So. <laughs> See, there we go. <laughs> there we go. We'll, we'll be opening the Catskills all summer. All right. So there we go. So I actually got an I actually got an invite to the Catskills um, from a friend on Clubhouse who has a uh, place, and um, she and her husband, their family, they vacation there, and I was See, invited to. That sounds to like go to the Catskills. That sounds beginning like one of those. Things that they'll talk, they'll do an NBC broadcast ten years like from now. Like a polyamorous now. thing. I wind up dead or eating. Or something. Uh, yeah. The unsolved mystery would <laughs> start out. If yeah, invite to the Catskills. Yeah, and then there's that guy who has that voice. I don't even know what he. I don't even know his name, but he always is the voice for those things. <laughs> you know, they went over. I don't know. It's just uh, yeah. It anyway, probably is not the best idea. No, don't. Uh, yeah, don't. Uh, don't get. Uh, don't disappear on me here. So I want you to stay around. So here we so, go. Um, you're in a beautifully lit room, by the way. I, oh, thank I, for you for our oh, listeners. Is, and there's no, and there are no, see it. and there are no cars that are shaking the entire foundation. 
No, good news, no. yeah. Good news, bad news. I moved during the pandemic to uh, the church owns two houses, and in order to save money, I moved to a house where we were having trouble renting it. Now that I'm living there, I know why we were having trouble. Yeah, renting exactly. It. It's a great old house. I love it. It's beautiful inside. It's just uh, it. It feels like I'm right beside the Newark Airport. I'm not in Newark, but it, the uh, it's uh, because of. Uh, Years ago, the uh, state declared eminent domain and took some of our property. And so what used to be the front line or used to be the front yard of the parsonage and the church is now Street Road. So it's a little noisy. Eminent domain is fascinating. I mean, it's one of those things that's so interesting, right? But this is what um, our libertarian friends, you know, once in a while, like like um, a clock is right a couple times a day, right? And, and this is eminent domain where the state just says, well, hey. This is ours now. <laughs> right? I mean, See, I, it, it, it is challenging. I mean, uh, yeah. Well, I never could understand the libertarians who supported building the wall on the border because you had to, they were taking people's land. Uh, I, I never, I couldn't quite understand that. But Freakonomics did a did a great podcast where they interviewed. They did two or three episodes interviewing economists and the, like their dream worlds. And it's funny because the only people that didn't like borders were the libertarians. So both like um, they had a segment where are borders and, and, and boundaries nationally sensible. And both the conservatives and the liberal economists, they were like, yeah, totally. Yeah. And it was the libertarians that were like, no, if a Haitian has programming skills, it doesn't make sense for them to be stuck in Port-au-Prince. Like the market should be able to like it, it was really interesting. I would like I would like to talk to libertarians who come from the state of Texas, or who who got who got a medical degree um, through the mail and are now a senator from Kentucky. I, I, those are the, those I'd like to know those libertarians' view of. I, I have a, I really have a hard trouble. People who I know claim who claim to be libertarians, yeah, they seem to be really big. They like walls. They like borders. They like machine gun nests on top of walls. I. You know, I'm going to I'm going to invite you into a clubhouse room with my libertarian friends. By the way, we should do this. We should set up a club um, for the podcast and we'll do this if our listeners are interested where they could come in and just hang out with us on clubhouse. Yeah. And, you know, I've been inviting people. I, I don't I, 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 I usually go on for like 15 seconds. I go, oh, nope, don't want to be here. <laughs> and yeah, like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I don't see was, where you're at. I go, hey, do I want to go there? No, no. But I yeah, I, I would love to do it. That would be great. Um be fun. So here we go. Today, today, is there any, today. By the way, is there anything we need to touch on before we jump into today's topic? Because last episode, as was our, um, as is sometimes our custom, we really did basically the first um, third of Rachel Maddow's evening show. We yeah. did like an MSNBC. <laughs> Do you think she is she a listener? Do you think she takes our material? I, I you know, I'm sure she. By does. the way, I, 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 I mean, talking about a person who does their homework. I mean. Uh, she may get lost, you know, the forest for the trees, but I, I, she is a smart person, a hardworking person. I like she her. is, a, she is a workaholic. I mean, she, um, you know, she is a big fan of Howard Stern's and Stern is a big fan of hers and she's gone on a few times and it, it really sounds like her partner is her salvation, which will get her out of right. the studio. Right. right? Because I I, basically yeah. she just works all the time. I mean, yeah, I, for some reason, I don't know if I'm, um, I don't know, I don't think I'm friends with her. I don't know, I have a, maybe Instagram or whatever, but I do, she did catch a fish the other day. So Rachel Maddow was fishing. Yeah, I she's a, how, she's a really I know how I know that, fisher. 
Yeah, I know. She's I know a fly she's fisherman. That's, yeah. that's her recreation. That's what she loves to do. And she likes to shoot guns. She likes Very to go good. to the gun range. Yeah, maybe she could take Bill Barr to the gun range with her. Maybe there you go. The target. The, By the way, his, is, I am so glad that he he was such a courageous uh, Bill Barr. I mean, this interview with The Atlantic, did you read it? Oh, yeah, Wait, where he, he basically he, came he, out and said I was... What, I was a, what, a, what a great American hero, that Bill Barr, because he really took the stand. He had all kinds of courage and stood up for what was right. There is there is there is a profile in courage right there. I'm uh, I'd like to dedicate the next uh, ten seconds of this show to the memory of Bill Barr, who I hope goes to a shooting range with Rachel Maddow. Well, you know it's, it, you know it's do you know it's interesting though. This is the, the thing about the Trump administration, and I do feel like they all there almost needs to be a support group for people that like who were people who dedicated their lives, and even if you didn't like their politics, they were people that dedicated their lives to public service who were just ruined. I mean, you know, it's amazing that Christopher like Ray, the, the late, the late great Sean Spicer, is that who you're thinking? <laughs> Spicer. No, but what's amazing is Scaramucci, Chris, another great American, the mooch, the mooch. Um, <laughs> no, but you have these Kelly people Conway, like, again, a <laughs> profound courage right there. Give me a name of someone I should feel sorry for. I, I was saying Bill Barr. I was thinking Bill Barr. I was thinking Bill Barr is uh, that, he should, but he, lose his the, he should lose his law license, that man. But before the Trump administration, he was a respectable... I mean, there's people in the administration... He 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 was a respected killer of baby seals. I think that's what he was doing. <laughs> <laughs> and for, okay. <laughs> there, were no more, there were no more baby seals. What about the mooch? I know, let me come what kill the, the Constitution. <laughs> what about the mooch? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm trying to... Uh, give me somebody... I mean, give me somebody to feel bad about. Because I, they're all... That's true. I, I'm trying to think. It, it's a good idea. I mean, it, it's a good... It, theoretically, it is. What right? about what about the... What about Tillerson? Oh, don't get right. There was a man who served America, right? Yeah. All the what good about, things what Exxon, about, All the great things Exxon has done for the world. Oh, what about... What about... What about... Um, <laughs> Give me... I'm waiting. I'm waiting. What about... Um, what about... Um, uh, Mad Dog. What about uh, the Secretary of Defense? All right, well, all right. There, which the second? What the first? Was he the first one or the second one? He was the first one. What, I yeah, right. Name now. Uh, oh, I just lost his name. I can see him. He had very sad eyes. <laughs> yeah, well, he was a yeah. good guy. He he was a good guy. All right, you 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 found one. Yeah, and he he uh, he really towed the line there. And boy, what a profound courage! Uh, while there was a tenth of coup, he really he really stepped to the plate, calling calling out the president. Yeah. All right, so this is not one of my better points I've ever made. It's not. It was. It was, my, it was. It was. It was. I was workshop. Do me. Was, do me. Do me. Um, do me. Trump saying I love my generals. I just need that. I need. To I do love it. the generals. <laughs> I love the generals. These. Are the, I love the generals. They're fantastic. <laughs> I love the. You know what? Though I feel like I am. It's really interesting. I think somebody pointed this out in Clubhouse that how much I use the word fantastic, and I think I do use it in in my own vernacular kind of conversations. And I think it's all the Trump stuff we did. And I think it's just slipped in. And I, now I use it. But I use it like normally. Like I, in normal conversation, I use the word fantastic. Yeah. Well. All right. Well, there we go. I think that I think you should trademark that word. That should be your word. By the way, I, I do think I do want to say for our listeners is, you know, picks of the week and things that you and I you and I talked about this earlier today. I started listening to Donnie Deutsch's podcast and he interviewed Scarborough today. Um, or, or yesterday or something. And it's an interesting podcast because what Deutsch does is he does like the first kind of half hour, he does brand stuff, like 
mm-hmm. like brands he thinks are good and like his first brand is like the Supreme Court. Their brand is up. He's like, you know, people thought, you know, like he thought, look, they this this court. It's funny he made this point that he was looking at stats. This court is actually ruling left of center more often than than it's done in decades. Well, it's really interesting. I, I read an article that you really have. It's not. It's not a six three, but it's a three three three. Three, right? You three three. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was really. It's a really interesting, interesting thing. Yeah, and uh, yeah, we just need Clarence Thomas to go away. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, but that is probably the absolute worst, e- easily the worst Supreme Court judge in my in my lifetime. Oh yeah, a terrible appointment. And Bush Senior, Bush Senior knew better. He should have known better than that. that that's yeah. on him. That's that's really, yeah. I you know. Um, yeah, I, well, he, Ro- Roberts is an interesting character. I, I you know, and um, yeah, I don't know. It's an interesting. It's it's it's. Uh, you're right. I, I mean, to, I mean, the thing about well, well, Deutsch's Deutsch's point was like whether or not you like these people's politics. He's like most of them are very serious people and they're good souls, and they get into this to really, um, you know, practice jurisprudence. And he said, you know, like. So we shouldn't be surprised that these conservative judges often do um, things that that confound the people that appointed them because they're 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 playing it straight. I mean, they're playing it fair. I think there are only two. I think seven of the nine had the credentials to be there. Yeah. Yeah. And um, and but then and, and but th- then but then so after this so after this he just starts talking with Scarborough about how Morning Joe started. And you and I have both been, you know, watching that show for years. And Scarborough is like, I just didn't give a damn. <laughs> and yeah. I kind of, I, I, I got a bunch of people that I thought were interesting. And I said, we're going to do television different. We're going to give people longer segments. We're going to let them talk about what they want to talk about. I'm going to get an interesting group of people. And um, he kind of, like, he just sketched this idea together. And, uh, and he said, like, they did this demo tape. Um, and broke Tom Brokaw's walking through, and Brokaw says, "Scarborough, who would have thought?" <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Well, you know, I like the people they bring on there. I, I have to admit, you know, you and I, I don't watch it anymore. I just, I can't. I mean, I've, I overdosed on Joe and Mika, but they have great people. I, you know, I've loved Willie to take it over. Uh, oh yeah, they have, they have really interesting people. They try to be, you know, they they're frequently balanced. I mean. Everything, you know, everything got blown apart during the Trump years. But um, no, I, I tend to I like I like to conceptually. I mean, it, it's hard, you know, like I saw where uh, Nicole Wallace, my uh, former love interest, uh, her ratings are way down. Um, do you remember when I had a crush on Nicole Wallace? Uh, I do. I, all the listeners yeah. remember, too. But she she was not there. I predicted this. I thought she was not going to make it past the Trump administration. No, she's I mean, she. Yeah, there's a sense where. Yeah, there, I mean, I, I don't. I, yeah, I, maybe she can be. I mean, there's obviously she can reboot because she's rebooted multiple times in her career. But yeah, that became kind of a one trick. It was a great. I mean, yeah, for those of us who struggled and uh, were worried about the Republic during that time, there was that was a kind of a you know four oh, o'clock. She was wonderful. She but, was wonderful. But it became you know I, I, again like you you were we were talking a little bit about this that um, there's something about. About Donald Trump, whether you were for him or against him, um, he he will. There'll be there'll be studies if if civilization 
continues, which I always think is a big if. But if it does continue and there are people getting grants to do studies and people writing political science dissertations, the the psychology around both being for Trump and against Trump and how that became almost all encompassing for some folks. It's, it's a fast. It's a fascinating. What it really is a fascinating stuff. I mean, it would be interesting to. I mean, I think probably maybe FDR. You know, people either loved or hated FDR. I mean, I mean, it's not like they should be mentioned in the same breath. But I'm trying to. I'm trying to think historically where there was someone who it went beyond party. It, it, it was a. It was a. It was a defining moment culturally in this country and I, I mean I, I mean I think I, Reagan I think Reagan well was. maybe Reagan Reagan I mean I think I mean I do think the mess we're in has a lot to do with Reagan and the fact that people are uncritically I mean those who liked him are uncritical about I mean what to me was one of the most interesting thing was how Nancy Reagan and Joe Scarborough is, is a and that show was a great example when Nancy Reagan died she was you know it was like Mother Teresa died and she yeah, was yeah, a yeah. she was a uh, complicated person uh you know talk listen to her children talk about her um and yet i mean that's part of the myth you know that there's a sense where well you know can we i I mean i was i was uh one of my earliest memories of watching my mother cry as uh, jfk's funeral was happening i was three um but there's there's someone where the myth uh for a lot of people you it's I mean, is there an? It's hard to hear an objective evaluation of a very, I think a media, a very mediocre president, probably some someone way over his head. I, and and of, I mean, partially the symbol was bigger than than the reality. I think. Um, I mean, well, well Ray, Ray, Reagan also came in at the time. Okay, so he had a kind of you know he had a view on communism. That was he kind of said, okay, this is what we're doing, kind of communism, right? And he also inherited. He kind of came into an economic boom. Yeah, whoever had been, whoever was going to be elected in 1980 was going to have a, an economic boom. The same thing is true for Bill Clinton. I mean, you know, right. presidents presidents have remarkably little influence over the economy. I mean, one of the, one of the things that that I think is symbolic of how uninformed. Our country is, is how often presidents run on the economy, and, and the truth of the matter is, they don't really have that much influence on 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 the economy. I, Other than mood, I mean, the, I think the mood, only thing right, presidents well, right. have is so mood. That's like, like when investors think about, like you know, yeah, that's like, okay, market. this, yeah, 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 which is why I think Obama, right? Like people, I mean, I think this the market liked Obama, not because of his politics, because of his temperament. Like th- this guy's not going to be volatile, right? Like he's he's going to be a kind of, yeah. No, I think um, here's here one more political. Did you see where the Fox News poll where uh, that Biden has an over fifty percent favorability rating in the Fox News poll, and they didn't report they wouldn't report on their own poll. <laughs> I read that. I was here today. Or I think I either read that yesterday or today. That, 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 yeah, that uh, Biden got a higher rating than Trump ever got on the Fox News poll, but they, they won't report it. <laughs> but I have no, I have no respect for public opinion polls at all. But I think that that is if there if there I don't if that's a post rational moment. Of, if that's just if that's just like embolizes the time we're in. I think so that's, I, I, I that's do, beautiful. You know, 
It's interesting. I had a guy on Give and Take <laughs> on my interview podcast who did. I had him on like la- during the pandemic. Who does? Who runs the Monmouth Poll, which is one of oh, the top which is pretty, polls. Yeah, it's a pretty good one. Yeah. Yeah, and I he he talked through what they go through to do these polls. That's really interesting. I mean, like he he is really like he says during presidential years. He just goes to diners in Iowa and New Hampshire and just listens in on what people are talking about. Right. To shape questions for polls. Like, it's, I mean, I think there is a, no, they, they, these things are imperfect, but they're, but he also said they're not predictive, they're snapshots. So what they right. give you is a snapshot in a moment of what people are thinking about. They're not well, predictive. No, and I, and I actually don't question the methodology. These people do, do their homework. I, I just question the value of, of finding out what the American people think. That's what I <laughs> a true a true populist, a true non-elitist opinion. I mean, I, I was born in a state that constantly votes against its self-interest. Uh, yeah, this is this is true. This is true. Joe Manchin, he's always there when you don't need him. So I mean, I, it's just a matter of like uh, like you try to uh, you know that's not really you know that's it reminds me of uh, PJ work work years ago went to one of those. Uh, I you know this is maybe this is fifteen twenty years ago, but it was the precursor to you know the protesting everything, and they were I guess they were out maybe at the G seven I don't remember but he was there was this person had protesting something and and against a certain policy and uh, he he engaged with this woman he goes well you know you really what you're protesting actually helps third world countries she goes oh and she just moved to a different protest group. <laughs> <laughs> she just, she, she just, she, she, her, she, it was a day, it was, she was protesting. She, it didn't matter what she was protesting, but today I, on my, on my schedule, I put, I'm going to protest today and I, I'm open to protest anything. So, which I think is by a way, wonderful, wonderful transition to what we're going to talk about. Today. By the way, speaking of Joe Manchin, before we transition, uh, Bill Meyer Friday did uh, a, a bit about Joe Manchin. He does sometimes at 20, like, 24 things you don't know about me, like in Vogue or people. Right, right. And, and so some of these things that he kind of did as a parody were, um, I'm a Democrat, except on matters of policy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always rooting for the overdog. <laughs> <laughs> Lindsey Graham once accused me of being a closeted Republican. <laughs> <laughs> he said, I actually once peed on a parade. <laughs> he said, before stepping, stopping a coyote from attacking a child, I like to hear the coyote out. <laughs> <laughs> and lastly, lastly is, I wish people would stop saying I really want to be a Republican. I don't. But I wouldn't mind being invited to one of Matt Gates's parties. <laughs> 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 I love that. I'd like to hear the coyote uh, out. You know, I like that. <laughs> All right, oh, so here we go. Awesome. So that's awesome. Let's, let's talk about. I want a T-shirt of that. I don't care. Oh I don't want, I want a T-shirt of. I don't want any Luther theology on my T-shirt. I want Bill a Joe Manchin T-shirt. Bill Maher, Bill Maher has been really good lately. Um, I, you know, I haven't it, watched him lately. I have to. I have to check. That yeah, out. he's been he's been quite good. Um, yeah. All right, so Bill, here's the thing. You and I have been talking, and so this is, you know, to let people know our process. Sometimes we talk about it sometimes they don't but we often just talk on the phone or something and right, right. and we often just kind of workshop ideas and and we don't know where we're going to land and sometimes we do and sometimes we don't and sometimes, sometimes we just 
Sometimes wrap, we don't know what's going on. Wrap the plane around the, around the sky. Exactly. <laughs> and we had no idea we were going to go on for 23 minutes about current events as we did, no, but this but, is what we did. You get what you pay for. Um, spirit, spirit with, without a... Uh, Spirit without any, you know, spirit without any uh, modifier. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so we're talking about like I I was sharing with you just um, my experience of on Clubhouse, um, right? Which is you know I've I've been spending a lot of time there, probably too much time, but uh, uh, but wait a minute, you need you need to explain to our listeners who may not know what Clubhouse is. It's it's this audio it's this audio app you kind of log in if you're not on it like you log in. And you, there's no video, there's no direct messaging, there's no texting or anything. It's, it's just audio and you talk in rooms. You could do private rooms or open rooms and there are rooms about everything. I mean, if you were into basket weaving or into uh, neo-Calvinism or, or anything, you could find a room about what you're talking about. Should you bring a lot of single dollar bills to your private rooms or is that just You can, kind of yeah, yeah, can. Those, those are the champagne rooms. Um, yeah, those are the champagne rooms, so to speak. But but what's interesting? So I so I have noticed that a lot of the rooms I spend time in are are rooms where people are left of center, right? And I found that there's a a, a valorization of illiberalism. Like when people critique some of these people in these more liberal rooms for being illiberal, it's not, they don't take it as an insult. <laughs> they take it as a compliment. Like you're, you're damn right. We're illiberal and we're going to get, you know, these conservative ideas or these moderate ideas or like anything, anything that's not kind of avant-garde left ought to be stamped out. And I'm thinking, well, you guys remember Stalinism, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, they don't. That's the <laughs> they don't. They, and they haven't read about it either. No. Um, so, no. so I, so, so, you know, so I, you know, we were talking today and I think the real political divide now is not right left. It's liberal versus illiberal. So, so if you're a classical liberal in the sense of you're kind of an enlightenment mm-hmm. democratic person who thinks that, you know, all, all views need to be heard in the public square, that free speech is a priority, right? that the way we kind of build a better society, the way we get to the beloved community is through democratic discourse where all voices are involved, including and especially the ones that drive you crazy oftentimes. Right. That, I mean, that there's a group of people who are often center left or center right, um, or right of center, left of center, that are classic and liberal. And then there's this group of people on the left and the right that are illiberals. And I think of you know, a lot of the, the woke kind of um, the wokenati, and also the populist Trump kind of crew, right? The, these are people that are that are um, that what distinguishes them from their compatriots on the left and the right is not necessarily policy positions, but whether or not they're liberal or liberal, whether or not they believe in a sort of right. tolerant free speech multicultural kind of community where everybody gets heard and where everybody gets dignity and things like that or not. And so I, I am really concerned because I think, and I think you and I, I mean, this podcast has always had a kind of liberal ethos in the sense of a classical liberal, right? Every idea gets respect. Every idea like can be debated uh, within reason. Yeah. And we're also equally willing to criticize everyone. 
Right, right, including, right. Including, including each other. I mean, yeah. Yeah. We, yeah, I, I, yeah, I think there's a sense where the value of as, as, um, as obnoxious as someone's opinion may be, it's more obnoxious to not allow that person to have a voice. Yeah. And I, and I think that's, you know, um, you know, it's, it's interesting. I uh, have a former, he was, I, he was a, an associate, I guess it was technically a colleague, but we worked on, we worked on national, some national issues together. Um, and he's involved now, he's an executive draft director of an organization that promotes um, uh, LGBTQ or LGBTQT, whatever the letters, and I always get those letters mixed up, and that's my dyslexia a little bit, um, but works for for that in Israel. So he, he, for years, he worked with national Israel organizations trying to really be an advocate for, I guess, a thoughtful approach. He, he's not uncritical of the, of the state of Israel, but really worked particularly in the religious communities. That's how he and I met, where there was, you know, as some of you may or may not be aware of it, but there is the kind of, um, the, there's a war of proxy that goes on in this country about Israeli-Palestinian issues in, in religious circles. And he was a liaison with a national Jewish organization with Christian groups. But his organization, now he's now director of a, of, of a group. He is a uh, happily married man, he and his partner, have two beautiful children, and um, and he's involved in this yeah, promoting, um, you know, a full seat at the table for gay folks in Israel. Um, their organization was uninvited to a, to the to the Pride March because there were people who said they didn't want any Zionist as part of the of the Pride March. So what's really interesting, natural allies about a lot of issues. Um, you know, the, because he, his organization, um, is seen by supporting the state of Israel. And again, he's he's a person who is an advocate for justice for for Palestinians as well. But that didn't matter because his organization was because it was associated with the state of Israel was considered a Zionist organization. Therefore, they were uninvited, even though they are a gay rights activist group that does a lot of really good work internationally. I think that's kind of that example that calls it cancel culture because they they did not have the right orthodoxy or even frankly because it may be because they were Jewish and they wouldn't renounce the state of Israel, so uh, they were not allowed. And the, to- and the, the, the irony of ironies is, and again, I'm not saying that like this is a super complicated issue, right? And it is I'm very not, complicated. Uh, yeah, yeah, but uh, but if you're gay in the Middle East, where would you want to live? You'd want to live in Israel. <laughs> you, probably, you certainly don't want to live in Saudi Arabia. Or, no, no, I mean, I'm pretty sure you don't want to live in the West Bank either. I mean, uh, so um, I mean, you may not have a choice. I'm not being, but no, you're right, right. So it's yeah, right. But there's a classic example of that because um, now, can there should is there plenty of critical conversations uh, to have about the situation in Israel? Absolutely, yeah. But it's it's yeah for you know the boycott the, the boycott divestment issue there was part of it they didn't there was they wanted to say that there could be no Israeli intellectuals or professors come to certain schools that's part of the BDS movement and there are certain schools in this uh, educational institutions in this country where if you're an Israeli scholar um, which are some amazing Israeli scholars on a wide range of issue 
you're not allowed to come and do anything on the campus. So that that is just that's that's one example of the cancel culture. But it it actually has become more mainstream, right? It's it's no longer, you know, ten years ago you and I knew about this. Twenty years ago you knew about that. We knew about this was something that seemed to happen in academic circles, but now it's become you know it's part of uh, part of social media and the mainstream. A, a woman yeah, got fired from ESPN, right? Uh, because of right. something she posted on Instagram 10 years ago or something like that. Yeah. I mean, you and I are of different generations. Um, right. Right. You're, you're a boomer and I'm Gen X. Um, right. do, do you think this is generational? Cause I, a friend of mine, he seemed to think it was generational. Um, but it is, it, I think there tends to be now, now when you and I were in the, I mean, in the academic circles, you and I, I mean, I mean, it was there was a kind of a, a ghetto silo mentality of that kind of behavior in academic circles. Uh, uh, I, some of the jokes we used to make at, at Princeton about that were pretty funny. I mean, I I loved. I mean, frankly, I'm very thankful for all the education I got. But you know, there were certain things that you were you had to walk very gently and carefully about, and. Um, um, and so that was 20 years ago, but I think you're right. I think the fact that it's become mainstream, um, the kind of vitriol that you see on, on social media or among um, younger adults, is, it's, it does seem to be more intense, right? Yeah, so I don't, I'm, and I'm, I don't mean that as a judgment or anything. I'm just saying... No, I it's think just a point of fact, it, yeah. yeah. There, there's a cultural difference generationally where this stuff tends to be, I, I, I think, a little more... The millennial kind of crew, it just has different sensibilities around this sort of stuff, I think. Yeah, you know, I, I, again, and I, I don't think they really, they didn't, they really didn't benefit from an enlightenment education. I mean, I think you can look uh, back, I well, think you can okay. look back in a sense that they're not, they don't, a lot of them don't, they don't get, they don't read the great things. They don't have a good, I mean, the erosion of a sense of history, of even a sense of civics. I mean, people don't say civics anymore. So I mean, if you have an appreciation for the founding of the country, this, I'm not even talking about you know I'm not even talking about my Phil, favorite. But we century. have to watch because First Things is about to sponsor this podcast. I mean, we're just like we have to watch here. Well, I, what, 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 what am I criticizing? What am I about to watch? Would I have to be careful? Tell me because I need to know. <laughs> I, 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 I'm just saying I'm we're going to be branded. What we're going to we're going to be branded as right wing. Oh really? Right now, uh, gosh. But it, I, the only time I've ever been accused of being a right winger was when I was being ordained in West Texas. It uh, the Presbyterian Trace Rios, and uh, and uh, I, I appeared before. It literally was a smoke filled room. I, I kid you not. I, the, the committee on ministry and the executive presbyter were in a back room smoking, chain smoking. Yeah, you know, I thought what? Yeah, you know, I, I couldn't. I thought maybe I went through a wormhole and I was in a different time, but <laughs> so I'm being, I'm trying, I'm trying not to gag on the smoke and, and someone says, ah, that's all we need. Another one of them conservatives from Princeton Theological Seminary. <laughs> I mean, where the hell am I? <laughs> what, this is what? like when they said about Augustine, that's all we need. Another lawyer from North Africa. <laughs> I was like, I know I have a very fond memory of my ordination quite because there was this, I mean, West Texas, the middle of nowhere, and there was a theologian in residence 
residency in the Presbyterian. I don't think anyone ever asked him to do anything. So he was really <laughs> bored. So they put him on my ordination committee. And we had this, I mean, he was, a, he was an interesting guy. We went back and forth. And, uh, and uh, he asked me this really rarefied question from the floor of Presbytery. And uh, and I knew, I mean, it was something I, I knew about. So we I, literally, I gave him a 15-minute answer because it was this, like, three-point question. And the chairman of the committee, uh, Flynn, what was Flynn's last? He had been... Even moderator of the Southern Church, I can't. Flynn Long, maybe that was his name, a blessed memory. But he was chairing the thing. After after I got done answering the question, he goes, "Well, I'd ask Bill a question, but I don't understand a damn thing he just said." <laughs> I, I'll, I'll, I'll entertain a motion. We close the examination. That is literally. That was my that was my ordination experience. <laughs> I thought, what the, what, what's going on? Yeah, I did, but that's just a long way of saying, yes, I think it's, uh, it is durational uh, in some ways. And because part of it is it's it's been, I, I, I don't want you, politically correct is such a crude shorthand, but a lot of these younger generation were raised with a lot of, there were a lot of bumper. I mean, there, there were there were there were bumpers in their bowling alley. In other words, they didn't, they, they had, you know there's sense where there was a lot of parameters. Now again, you you see, I don't, it's not certainly not universal across the country. Maybe it's geographical because I, you know we you you hear about all these stories of uh, kids having their valvatorian speeches, the, the, the yeah the pulling the microphone. I, I read of two incidents that happened this spring because they didn't like what they were saying, but. But I do think for a lot of point, they, these these folks have been the kids or younger people have been raised um, where where I was raised, where the debate was happening. OK, not, you know, at least in my college and then graduate school. Um, there's a certain kind of I think there's been a certain some people think certain issues have been settled. And so, um, you know, there's a lot of protection, I think, and a lot of they, there's a, there are some given assumptions that may or may not be true, but a lot of folks have been been raised with, and and they bring that to the table, you know. Yeah, but I, I and I, I, I want to say some of that has got to be moral advancement too. I mean, there's some of the things that that people, things we don't say, right, or things that, like in public I, life we say the, these are things we don't do. So I mean, I want to say no, I agree, I agree. Yes, yes, uh, yes. You know, because it's not it's the bumpers are good in in some level. I mean, these are things; they're boundaries. I mean, they they say these are not things we we say anymore. We or this kind of discourse or dialogue is unacceptable. And so, I I don't want to sort of say like, let's go back to the good old days. No, I don't think they were good. No, absolutely, absolutely. No, I think there. I think there can be some moral progress. The trouble is because we are fallen people. Almost everything we Every reform ultimately needs to be. There's always something built into. It. I mean, this this is actually. I, I agree with the law and gospel people here. Every time there's a law created, grace. Even if the law is to to promote grace, grace ends up being ends up being nullified in some way or the other. Right. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. I mean. We're we're always. I mean. The French Revolution. That what happened there gets replicated. Yeah, generally, fortunately, most places don't have guillotines. But the idea of the revolutionaries become the victims—I mean, that—that's um, that to- that those arguing for tolerance become intolerant. 
that that there's just there's just so much inf- there's just so much uh, evidence of that throughout history, and I think we're we're kind of living in a time like that. And again, you know what? I don't I if I'm tw- if I was twenty something right now or, or younger, the fact that mm, that the institutions have failed me um, is 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 incredibly evident. So I there should yeah. be anger. There should be absolute anger. I mean, the fact that you know I have to you know that it's acceptable to this country that I might get shot in my high school. And that's the reality you live up, you live under. Uh, and you wonder if it's not your school, you wonder if it is going to be your school next. And then to have the, the politic, politicians do nothing about it. Um, that alone would be enough to make you angry and cynical and, and uh, you know, more, yeah. Yeah. Want to want to want to charge the Bastille and, and and burn it all down, yeah. So I, I've certainly I think this generation has been failed in ways. Uh, my generation certainly wasn't failed, um, and so I I, yeah, I, I mean, understand. You, I mean, it might be the case that your generation actually was the la- like coming up was was the last best served. I mean, the boomers. I mean, you you, you all you all had the yeah. kind of. I mean, yeah. you had. Yeah, you had was, the yeah. kind of the best of public life trying to do right by wider culture. Yeah, no, I think I think absolutely. I mean, I was I was at the end of the boomers, but um, absolutely, I think there was a sense where, um, yeah, I I I, I agree. I, it didn't necessarily trickle down to my people, but um, <laughs> but but I benefited. In the larger the larger context in which I grew up from, right? Yes, absolutely, right? Yeah, and but I also, yeah, you know, for me, you know, it was funny when I was in college. I had a professor say to me, "You should have been here ten years ago," because like the issues I was talking about sounded a lot like nineteen sixty eight, not, not nineteen seventy eight. But I think that's that's where my generation failed. We didn't. Well, and I think the, the the folks before us, it turned out to be a lot of social justice stuff for most people was a was something they got over after they got out of college, uh, uh, and I think that's you know there's a sense where I mean I, I do think our society goes back and forth, but um, in waves, but it it became very easy for people who were part of the counterculture and wanting there to be peace and love and equality. To forget about that when when it came opportunity to, you know, help help build Microsoft and other things, you know. So I, you know, it's I I always feel like, um, yeah, I, I feel like I don't know if my generation was handed a, a baton of any kind, but if we we were, I think a lot of folks dropped it. So yeah, it's interesting you say building things like Microsoft or you think of Facebook and these things that that touted themselves as things that would contribute to the values of classical liberalism, right? Where people could dialogue more, exchange ideas where people, but I, I, I don't like, again, my clubhouse experience is, I mean, I, I've spent more time on this app than I've ever spent on any social media app in my life. Like, and so, so this is why I'm thinking about it a lot, just because it's I've never I've never I mean I've not been a social media kind of um, you know like I've not right. been a luddite around social media, but I've also not been somebody that's um, 
spent a lot of time, but I've spent more time. And, and so I wonder if, is, is liberalism doomed? I mean, like in the sense that, that when you can create real cultures that are monolithic echo chambers, right? Like, is it, is, is liberalism doomed? I mean, is it, is there a future for it? I don't know. Well, I think it certainly, it's, it seems like it was in jeopardy on one level. Um, I mean, in some levels, doesn't liberalism, see, does it see, uh, does it sow the seeds for its own self-destruction? I mean, is there a direct line from Jefferson to Jackson? Uh, and from Jackson. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah and, from, and then from Jackson to um, Calhoun, you know, and, um, you know, and Jefferson Davis. I, I, you know, uh, so I, the question, the question is, you know, um, I think there's always the challenge about what we do with that, and is it what to what degree can we self-correct? I mean, um, I, I can't. I just lost the guy's name. The guy who worked for for uh, in the Obama administration. Uh, he just wrote that book. I listened to that podcast. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Rhodes. It's his last name. Rhodes. Yeah, Rhodes. Rhodes. Yeah, Ben Rhodes. Yeah. Ben Rhodes. Yeah. The idea is, you know, he, he pointed us out, and actually I, I said something similar when I did last week when I did that talk on him, on founding faith and fiction. America has always been two things, right? It's always been, I mean, uh, We Hold These Truths to Be Self-Evident That All Men Are Created Equal was written by a slave owner. Right. And there's probably there's probably nothing that kind of, you know, that, that is maybe the perfect icon of, of the American story. Um, and so well, what we will become, and again, we are, I, I think you would have to argue um, the two, the two, you know, what are the two Enlightenment experiments, Fran- France and, and U.S., United States? And I yeah, would argue yeah. that that um, the United States is a more successful, was a more successful of those two things, um, holding the ideals imperfectly. In other words, that would be, in other words, I think, obviously, what, what you know, we didn't get a Napoleon. Okay, I'm not saying we didn't do bad things, but we did not. Uh, and we didn't bring back the monarchy multiple times, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, you know, I mean, again, it's it's uh, it's. I don't. When I say that we are the better of the two experiments, it's not. I'm not saying that we were a shining light of anything, but uh, you know, here, here's here. I, I mean, we've already talked a lot of times, so we probably should wind this up. This may be another. This may be a part two. But I did. I did a poll. I polled younger generations tonight. All right, uh, folks who are very social act, you know, socially active and actually in their own circles deal with this whole cancel culture. And uh, I got two responses from folks who are in the middle of this right now. One of them said that we may need to cancel cancel culture. But what I liked, the, 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 the one, the, uh, Lucy, I'll give a shout out to Lucy. Lucy is a rising senior. And she said, I think sometimes you need to have cancel culture, but there needs to be an expiration date. In other words, mm. you got, you don't you're not permanently canceled. You may need to have a timeout, you know, and and that might be a secular version of penance, right? Um, you know, there's a sense where you if you if you uh, you do need to confess your sins, and sometimes you need to do some penance. But thanks be to God, um, the the there is no permanent uh, there is no permanent uh, penalty because that's been paid for. So. Maybe maybe there's a sense where 
like you said, there is there's certain things that shouldn't be said. I, I you know, I think that I had to. I fought. I, I remember fighting and arguing growing up about racism uh, in in the community that I grew up in, and and speaking out against it as a as a high school kid. My my kids who are of a different generation than you, but you know, not of the generation of Lucy, it was a given that you accepted people. You know, that doesn't mean we were yeah, yeah, perfectly, yeah. but it was a given, right? So I do think there's a sign of progress there, but um, like I said, there uh, it's 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 kind of like it's it's like manna, right? It's only good for a day, you know. Uh, whatever progress we make yeah, as yeah, a culture, yeah. yeah. So I don't know. It's an interesting to, to think about, and I, you and I both are, you and I share the same nervousness about the time we're, we're in. Uh, some levels, you, we have Joe Biden, who is like this kind of, I don't know what you, Joe Biden's kind of a throwback. Is he's is he the last? Uh, is he's the last going to be the last Enlightenment president? I don't I don't know. We've, yeah, we is he see. the past or the future? You know, or or a. A respite to make to, to give us to catch our breath to see if we can if we can keep doing this. I don't know. That's a good question. Well, I hope we can. I do too. But uh, we'll do our part. And uh, good to be back. Shout out to Lori Anderson, a great pastor in Dallas, Texas, who said she was glad we we're back. So, and we also want to we want to promote our good friend hey. podcast. His podcast is yeah yeah actually Ben De, Ben DeHart who is um, who is. Who has done our intro and outro? His podcast with one of his clergy colleagues is called Our Triune Pod. So Our Triune Pod, and they talk about and they do very similar things that we do. It's a great podcast. Right. Um, and don't they? They they play. It's the collect of the week, right? They do. They play off the collect. Yeah, they reflect on the collect of the week, um, and they through that collect they get into culture and religion and film and other things. It's, it's a really good show. I mean, it's very, it's very well done. So and, and I, friends and I of the would, show. And, and I want you to, so, <clears throat> and so there's a lot to be, uh, yeah, there's a, there's a lot to be discouraged about American Christianity, but we just mentioned two pastors who um, great stuff. <clears throat> are doing great stuff in two very different contexts, two generations, two traditions who um, I'm proud to call colleagues and give me hope. So that's good. Yeah. So please give them a follow, subscribe to their podcast and, um, and happy listening, my friends. All right. Peace, everyone. How about that episode of New Persuasive Words? Thanks so much for joining Scott and Bill. We hope you enjoyed the conversation and will join us next time. Till then, thanks for listening and God bless.